Hello, everybody. This is the Trans Narrative Podcast. I'm Aria. Here at this podcast, we uh, try to make a safe and inclusive space for the trans community and provide a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support with their community. I am joined by the illustrious, the gorgeous Caroline. <clears throat> Thank you, jeez. <laughs> take it and take the compliments. Do it. Hi, everyone. It's me. <laughs> and we're also joined by our other co-hosts, Athena Promakis, Lucy Bozzano, and a rotating cast of amazing people that we'd love you to listen to. Also, if, if, if you're new here, uh, just know that we cover sensitive topics and we are every once in a while just a little bit on the explicit side. And so uh, if, that's, if that's not what you're into, consider this a trigger warning. But yeah, thank you for joining us. We're happy to have you. Absolutely. Absolutely happy to have everyone. Hey, it's really good to be back. This, this is an incredible honor to, to have you here, Aria, and to introduce the show in a little different way. We don't typically do it this way, but I'm really happy to try new things and for our mm. audience to be here with us. So thanks everyone for being here. Absolutely. All right, now with that being said, I'd like to hand it over to Athena Marcus as she introduces us to our brand new theme song that will allow us an opportunity to showcase the beautiful voices of the trans community as we take time to provide different versions of this song to do exactly that showcase the community so with that being said i now present to you make it real to me sung this week by dana Pramakis. make it real to me every conversation building empathy all our voices composing a symphony to be so beautiful. On this episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast, we meet Charisse Alexandria Samor. Charisse has graced countless stages with charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. He used her artistry to capture the title of Miss Gay Indiana and to celebrate the vibrant spectrum of gender expression. Through dazzling performances, she's opened hearts and minds to the beauty of diversity, reminding everyone that we're all born naked and the rest is drag. This is our narrative. start these things and i feel like i say that every single time mm, well the up. way to start just, is start with a shocking jibbering. fact like a really shocking fact so to like draw the attention of the audience like did you know that you eat at least five spiders but those five spiders are all gay like every year <laughs> i don't know something like that you got to just like find a way to like grab and then go with it so like if everybody else in the, in the you know crowd here laughs at it you're like okay we can move forward no welcome actually yes. to the real thing Yes, yeah, so absolutely. these gay spiders are just coming in my mouth all night. Like, how is this yes, working? So There's like we need five to start strong with the gay spider cum jokes. Exactly. That's what. Oh, good. Halloween's just around the corner, so that's right. How <laughs> blood's dripping from every corner. like spider webs. Hmm. Have you ever tasted spider webs? Yes. Have you not? 
not really. I don't think so. I'm not oh. really like a big spider fan. Uh, so. I've walked through a spider web and got it caught in my lashes before. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not home right now. I'm walking into spider webs. So, Autumn, hi, ADHD, just to let you know, is a thing here. Hello, I live in that world as well. I have a lovely pill to take every day for them. Anyway, All right. Autumn, Autumn Jordan, welcome to the Trans Narrative Podcast. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So, I am just, I'm just so excited. So, you are Autumn Jordan, the drag performer known as Sharice Alexandria Samore. Is that right? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That is the coolest thing. As somebody that lives in this state, uh, it's awesome to meet incredible people because as awful as this place is, its community is what makes it the best. And so, and you are part of that. And I'm just so happy to have you here, part of our community on the Trans Narrative Podcast. So before we get started, I would like to go around the room and all introduce ourselves because just in case our listeners or anybody that's tuning in for the first time has never heard of this program, I'm Caroline Penny and I was uh, the one that kind of came up with this idea, but these folks here helped like actualize the vision. So, uh, and I love the podcast. I love music and I enjoy life very much. So that's my three things, I guess. So Athena, Athena Permakis. Woo. Yes. Uh, good to be here. Good to have good conversations with good people. Good, 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 good. I'm really going to just, yeah, clip that. Hold on. No. <laughs> thank you very much for having everybody here to have a great discussion with Autumn. Autumn, thank you very much for meeting with us. Aria, Aria Lackey. Uh, hello. Hi. How is sunny San Diego? Uh, sorry, San Diego is great. I am suffering immensely from uh, pain from an impacted wisdom tooth, <laughs> but I am happy to be here nonetheless. Thank you for being here. It means so much. And Lucy, mm -hmm. Lucy Boosie. That's a nickname. Hey, hey. How are you? Oh, wait, so you good? just told it. I'm doing quite well myself. Fantasy come reality, even. That's right. That's right. It's so good to have all of you here. You three, four, uh, me, I'm the fourth uh is incredible i just i love having the weekends spend with with you three it just thank you thank you thank you for being so and with that now autumn autumn jordan all the way from somewhere on the u.s continental map how are you i am doing great i am here in fort wayne at my favorite coffee shop having a white mocha with oat milk i'm at the tall rabbit cafe um it's a nonprofit coffee shop that's mission states that there should be no barrier of any kind between any adult and employment oh that's so awesome i agree with that that should be the case well i'm just here with my minute maid minute maid is sharing <laughs> we uh we're awesome so uh it is so cool. Fort Wayne is fun. I frequented there once. They have an amazing vegan restaurant that has the best chili cheese fries that you'll ever have. They There's so many beans in them. I just, it's so good. So if anybody ever goes to Fort Wayne, the vegan, the loving, is it the loving cafe? Yes. It's so good. Check it out. Anyway, so Adam. What? Sorry, it's an old, it's an old meme from the black community. Oh. Yes. So about people and beans. 
Well, it's so good to be back here. You know, we haven't been on the air for about three months, and I just want to thank our listeners for still being here with us after all of this time. I know that life can be hectic and things happen, so I just, I'm glad to still be here, and I'm glad that you're here with us, listener. And I got a new microphone, so isn't that exciting? Not that you would know, but uh, you <laughs> Or do. maybe they would know because they can hear you better now. They can. They can hear me really good. Can you hear it? Okay. Yeah. So loud and clear. Thank it you. Sounds like a Caroline. Well, welcome back to the Trans Narrative Podcast, everyone. It's so good to have you. This is episode 30 of season two. Can you believe it? 30 episodes in 2023. Ooh. That's so cool. And speaking of those 30 episodes, we've had some incredible people, some people that you actually, Autumn, have worked directly with who've inspired you in your own life. So before we even get started, could you give us a little background into who you are? Absolutely. So, I mean, you obviously said, like, I've worked with a lot of people here that you've had on your podcast. Um, I am a product of an amazing team. I could not achieve anything professionally in the drag world without the people that have been behind me and pushed me to be who I am. So I was born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama. I moved to Fort Wayne from Florida. Um, a little about, well, I wouldn't say this November will be my third year. So I'm almost a three-year Hoosier. Um, but yeah, so I started drag. Um, it was kind of my way out into the scene. Um, I was underage. I do not condone that, underage drinking at all. But hey, it was my way into my light and finding myself. Um, I started performing on open stage nights. Um, I talked a little bit in my bio about being an HIV advocate. Um, so whenever I go into these professional situations, when I'm wearing my PRC hat, I start off my conversation with, my name is Autumn Jordan. I'm a trans woman. My very own brother is living with HIV. And in 2017, I lost one of my best friends to an opioid uh, overdose. I had no idea that that gentleman was fighting that battle, but you know, it, it inspired something in me to do that. So I'm an advocate for many things. Um, HIV is my professional world in prevention. Um, and then drag is my passion. Uh, drag is kind of a way for me to showcase a different type of art. You know, all art is, is whatever people present, it is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Subjective. So my trans drag is kind of something that is different from the, the local drag race queens that you see on TV. Um, yeah, I have two amazing dogs. I have a beautiful partner who supports and loves me. And uh, I'm proud to be a, a current reigning Miss Gay Indiana, right? Oh my God, I cannot believe that. Is that what I'm hearing? The Miss Gay Indiana 2023-24 is on the Trans Narrative Podcast. That's right, Miss Gay Indiana on the Trans Narrative Podcast. Tell Absolutely. the world. And can <laughs> we actually talk about how like right you are about like the prevention part of like HIV? Like so much. That's in the outline. Yeah, especially like we we just gotta give like a hand or a uh, shout out to Prep too because like come on, yeah. Prep. Yes, absolutely. that used to be a terrifying yeah. thing back in the day is worrying whether or not like this person that you're with might have something. And back then there wasn't this sort of level of uh, medication to help deal with it, so he kind of just like freaked out. 
Yeah, like growing up in like the the nineties, all of the stigma was around like disease, and all of my sex education yeah. was just exposure to like graphic pictures of people. Yeah, they'd show you like the STDs. worst case conditions. They'd be like, "Oh, this is what like this disease looks like," and it's just like something that's gone untreated for like you know decades. And they're like, "You're gonna, it's gonna look exactly like this," and then they'd say the same with HIV. They'd show somebody who's you know in a completely different part of that and be like oh this is exactly what it'll look like and it's meant to scare you and it does scare you it terrifies you i could talk an hour about hiv stds hepatitis you know i don't want to use that whole time up but uh i will say that when i have my prc hat on when I am Autumn Jordan, the key populations outreach coordinator, um, I work in the Department of Testing, Outreach, and Education. So that means that I perform HIV and Hep C tests anywhere that I am during outreach. Um, you can come into PRC and get a free HIV Hep C test at any time. Um, there's no appointment necessary. It takes about 20 minutes to get your truth. That was the kind of campaign right before I started was Truth in 20. Um, you talked about stigma a little bit. I think uh, well, I know that that's part of the team at PRC's mission. You know, we want to eliminate stigma. We want to educate the community and hopefully have a positive and compassionate community response. Um, a lot of people dealing with stigma, they make these generalized ideas about things that they're not educated on. Um, it is 2023. Um, HIV kind of started in the 80s. Uh, that's when it kind of blew up and became a gay men's disease. Um, professionally, we call them men who have sex with men because all men who have sex with men are not gay. They don't identify and participate in the lifestyle. Um, there's three things I can say about reducing stigma from a public health standpoint. Um, there are treatment options, treatment as prevention. Um, that one pill a day can take you to an undetectable level to where you're untransmittable. And if you have an HIV positive partner, you're negative, get on PrEP. PrEP services are something that are free for a lot of people if you're eligible. Um, and then if you have an exposure, like abstinence is something that's the best way to reduce transmission, right? You want to you wanna make sure that you're abstaining from drinking and doing drugs. You know, make sure that you're in the right mind. That way you can ask those important questions because I believe that if you can't talk about it, then you shouldn't be about it, right? But if we are in those situations, PEP, post-exposure phylaxis, that's your, that's your way around living with a lifelong diagnosis. You know, we, we all make mistakes in this world. And that's what I love about what I do with the team at PRC is we're in the business of second chances. You know, we're non-judgmental. Um, we all come from different walks of life and we offer a safe place to have a confidential conversation about your sexual and behavioral health. I think that it's important for our community to put their health first and really take initiative and make a stand for themselves. Because when you take care of you, you're taking care of your community, you know? Absolutely. So in what way specifically um, does your organization and you specifically uh, combat stigma and promote sexual health? Just having conversations. Um, as my job um, in education, you know, I'm testing outreach and education. Uh, a lot of my work is with behavioral health facilities. So people who are like court ordered or people who willingly come seeking treatment and a change in their life. And like I said, I can talk for an hour. I have an hour long curriculum where I just kind of go over 
the ins and outs, like what does this look like for this disease with HIV, with hepatitis, with different bacterial and parasitic infections, viral infections. Um, so that's the biggest thing is just talking about it, making sure that people have their facts straight, knowing the numbers, you know, like in 2018, out of all the trans women who were tested, 42% of those testers were HIV positive and living with HIV. Many of them were not on treatment. Um, and that's the thing is if I meet you where you're at, give you the information and the knowledge and get you a recommendation for eligibility for treatment, then we all become one and we save our community by taking care of ourselves, right? But it starts with you. All I can do is tell you the facts and inspire you and tell you, hey, if you need someone, I'm here for you. Give you a, a warm handoff to the professional that can help you with whatever you're dealing with. You know, like hep C is a uh, blood to blood transmission. If you're at risk for hepatitis C, you're at risk for HIV. So those people who commonly are injection drug users who aren't able to access clean needles or whatnot, they don't know that they're putting themselves at risk. And that's the biggest thing is like meeting people where they're at, which can mean at a nightclub. I test here at After Dark and in that 20 minute conversation while we're waiting on the test to run, I talk to you. I ask you like, hey, you know, Nothing here is going outside of this this conversation. This is this is dead and over with once you're gone. But like, where are you at? Like, what's happened to you? What kind of behaviors are you in, including yourself into? And then I'll talk to you about risk and counsel you in lower risk reduction. Awesome. Um, oh, Carolyn dropped out. Where are you at? <laughs> oh, there you are. I dropped, right here. I dropped something. <laughs> yes, I had to. Absolutely. For Minute Maid. The uh, tastiest there is. Anyway, I didn't drop out. I just dropped my pen to the side. Dropped to the pen. Yeah. Uh, so, so Autumn, Autumn, I wanted to ask. So, how how did you get started in this career? Okay, absolutely. So, when I was in Alabama, I attended South University in the um, Bachelor's of Science in Nursing, so BS in program. Um, obviously, my brother. Um, is a, a man who has sex with men. He's a gay man. He's living with an HIV diagnosis. And there are so many misconceptions about him. Like when he comes home for Christmas and I meet him there, I can eat off the same plate as him. I can take a sip of his cocktail and out of the same straw. You know, there's so many misconceptions about how the disease is transmitted. And then people look at them like, oh, I don't want anything to do with them. Like people living with HIV are normal people. Once you get to that undetectable trans or undetectable status, you're untransmittable, right? So that means that even though you're living with that virus, one of those five wet, sticky fluids, whether it be blood, um, semen, vaginal secretions, anal secretions, breath milk, like there's not enough of that virus there to transmit it, right? So that's one of the biggest things. And then the H and HIV stands for human. So it's not just LGBT people anymore. You know, I just left a conference where more and more people outside of the LGBTQIA plus community, those numbers are growing, right? Because they're not educated and they have this stigma that it's just the gay people. You know, that, that if I hug someone with HIV and their sweat gets on me, that, that's not true, you know? So that, that's the biggest way to combat stigma is education and being a voice, being visible. And standing yeah, up for those people who need you to stand for them. I was just going to say, I think at one point um, there was a really big concern because 
I forgot what year it was, but there was this big upset due to the fact that for that particular year, there was more new infections amongst heterosexual couples in, I think it was in Britain, than um, couples out were obviously of the queer community and they like lost their shit over it. And was like, why is it less of an issue when it's like gay people were at risk? Well, that that's the thing. We've known about this since the eighties, right? Like, it used to be a couple handfuls of pills throughout the day, and then you still didn't have, you didn't have that reassurance that you could get to that undetectable level. Like, through technology's growth, like, it's yeah. easier to treat HIV than it is diabetes. You don't have to constantly monitor your blood sugar every day. You know, you go see an infectious disease doctor once every, what, six months, depending on the person, get your, your levels drawn. And that's what I'm saying, like, the LGBTQIA plus community, Mm -hmm. they they found a way to reach us and now it's our turn to say hey you know we're not the only humans living with hiv we go get our prep we go see the the aid service organization or and we get our treatment because treatment as prevention is one of the three ways to reduce the transmission i am part of a committee called the zip committee zero is possible and i truly believe in that statement you know if we all do our part and take care of ourselves then HIV, just like COVID, will be something you rarely hear about. And we can talk about HIV all day, y'all. <laughs> Athena, you're muted. There we go. There you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's a very important part of, of just education and destigmatization of that. Um, my wife's parents uh, had, had AIDS and disappeared off the map because of the stigma around that and had very poor, uh, bad, bad, unhealthy life choices throughout the 90s. And, and by the time they were able to get on treatment, they'd already declined in health significantly. So earlier treatment, earlier prevention, every ounce earlier in that step to, to prevent is important. I think the biggest thing is not to look at someone for their label. I think it's to look at that person as that person. You know, Arya has this behavior, she's on these medications, while Athena does these behaviors and she has these medications. You know, like y'all are two completely different people. Just because we're trans doesn't mean we do everything the same way, right? We're, we're definitely our individual self. And I think that's the biggest thing is focusing on someone for who they are, not what they are as well. Yeah. Um, Autumn, you, you mentioned uh, breaking down the stigma, and part of the way you do that is how you interact with your, your brother uh, amongst your family, for instance, because some of your family holds on to a lot of like the, the stereotypes surrounding HIV. Um, it, it feels like, um, you know, from my perspective, at least, a lot of the stigma has like gradually eroded as we become more educated about HIV and how it's transmitted. But then again, I'm a, I'm I'm one of the insiders. I'm I'm part of the the LGBT community. How, how would you say, as somebody who like works in this field, has has this stigma surrounding it gotten uh, better, like among the general public, or or not? Yes, there's been progression. However, that that meets you where you're at thing comes from the people who are scared. Like, I don't want to go into positive resource connection because they know that it's an HIV clinic or STD clinic. Somebody's going to see me and think that I have something. Then that is going to that's going to 
hold me from getting a job that's going to make it to where I can't live where I need to live, you know? And that, that's why we meet you where you're at, right? Um, we have little pop-up assignments, clinics, um, booths that we do in outreach. Um, if there is a party, I'm usually at it with a booth, with testing. Um, and if you're interested in that, please reach out to Positive Resource Connection. Talk to Charity Story. She is the director of my department. And if you are within our jurisdiction, I'll be happy to come and be at your event. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Anyone else? I was muted. Sorry, I'm slightly distracted at the moment. I'm. I have to walk aside. He's uh old. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy has a dog. Oh, an elder. What are some of the top priorities of the Positive Resource Connection right now? What are some of the things that? you know, going into 2024 that, you know, your organization has identified as like something to really focus on. Is there anything in particular that you're, you know, working on to combat or, you know, anything in particular, any new things that are going on, any resources, anything like that? Personally, so my title is the Key Populations Outreach Coordinator. So I focus on populations that are higher risk for transmission for not only HIV, but um, STIs and then hepatitis, right? Um, so I focus on the LGBT community, the trans community, the African-American community, because their numbers are rapidly increasing, and then also the Hispanic community. Um, their numbers, because of their their own barriers and stigmas outside of HIV with uh, documentation, um, that's really the biggest one, the language barriers. You know, they're not able to get the information and get the treatment. However... We meet them where they're at, right? And then, like, we had um, Fiesta Fort Wayne not too long ago, and yeah, and that was like a great way for me to just be out and about, be visible, and say, hey, you know, if you're not comfortable talking here, like, here's my card. Come, give me a call. Go see our website, see what we offer. And then to PRC, we we don't look at immigration status you know we just want to make sure that that person gets the help that they need even if that means referring outside of our agency for whatever that that person is dealing with we're all social workers right and then i come from a public health background so it's like um it's like health care should be a human right you know absolutely and it is and privacy is part of that human right as well you know, a lot of people don't know um, in the state of Indiana, there's the duty to inform law, right? So if you are about to have sex with someone or use injection drugs with your partner, that is the only time that you have to tell someone about your HIV status. You know, I'm not currently living with HIV. However, I don't have to tell that to you guys, you know, and that doesn't make me any less empathetic because I've seen firsthand how people can treat people who are HIV positive. You know, I've had people, I used to be a commercial sex worker, right? So I wouldn't be who I am without that. That's another thing I'm an advocate for. You know, people always, are you clean? Absolutely. I just got out of the shower. You know, that's a stigma right there. Ask me about my medical records. If you need to see my, my, my chart, you know, Hey, what is that? What does that, that test result look like? You know, don't be scared to have those kind of conversations. 
kind of got off topic there a little bit. Oh, no yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I always I keep responding. I ask everybody to go on mute, and then I respond, and then I'm not heard. So, oopsies. <laughs> so, That's what are some of the chats? just to stay off mute. No, because it makes it better for the editor. Not that, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> there should be a noise gate on most of this to keep most of the low level audio interference out. So, am I sounding okay? Can you hear me loud and clear? Yeah. I can hear you loud and clear, and there's no no side or cross interference coming through. So you can keep yourself off mute. Honestly, I'm not hearing any cross interference. Good. Awesome. Okay. So, Autumn, what are some of the challenges that um, you're facing, like specifically in the community, Fort Wayne? You know, what's going on that you've identified in your local area that needs to be addressed? Absolutely. From I, like I said, I'm an advocate for so many things. So my personal battle is which hat do I have on? Which it's not, it's not which game I'm playing, but it's not a game. It's all genuine care for our community. But am I just me? Am I Autumn Jordan, the key populations outreach coordinator for positive resource connection? Or am I Miss Gay Indiana, the symbol of excellence for the female illusion community that is the Hoosier community of Indiana? So um, that's kind of my thing is finding the balance between all of those and then helping people of our community, no matter what they're dealing with. I think that as a Miss Gay Indiana, it's important to be aware of the resources around you. That way you are seen as a leader, you know? Um, no matter what kind of conversation, what kind of struggle someone comes to me and talks to me about, I know where to point them no matter where they're at, right? You said we're all kind of connected. All these clubs, like Indiana is so big. Like if anything that this new century has taught us with all the technology and travel and COVID, this world is such a small place, right? And there's so many different agencies and organizations that work together to take care of this Hoosier community. And I think that being knowledgeable about the resources that are here, like Trans Solutions down in Indianapolis, love them, great work. Um, the Brave Center here, um, or excuse me, the Brave Alliance powered by the Drug and Alcohol Consortium. It's a great place for gender affirming care and just having a conversation. Um, mental health is one of the biggest things that I think in the past five years, the biggest topics that we've kind of come up with. And people can't be afraid to have those conversations. While it might have to be private and you have to meet them where they're at, sometimes it's like, hey, I'm right here. We can't talk right now. Here's my business card. Call me and let me see what I can do for you. You know? Oh, I just want to get right to it. You yeah. said it, Miss Gang Indiana. That yes. is who you are. You were crowned what? Two weeks ago? Two weeks. I am the 44th Miss Gay Indiana. Miss Gay Indiana was started in 1979. The first woman ever to win. Um, she was a, she's known as a trans woman. Obviously through the years being trans has become a lot more advanced. The binary system has kind of, the gender binary is, is multiple, is represented in multiple different ways now, you know, everybody's walk of life is their own and individual and unique to them. However, um, Miss Gay Indiana was a part of the Miss Gay America pageantry system, which was known to be a boy queen system. So it is male to female, female illusion drag entertainment. Um, and I am proud to be the most recent person that does not look like that, that says, that trans lives not only live, but thrive here in the great state of Indiana. 
And if we were still associated with the America system, I mean, we're everywhere. Look, we're all somewhere different in this in this beautiful country, representing who we are and showing that we are not men in wigs who are groomers. We are here, we are classy, we are socially acceptable, we can live our lives in the daylight, and we can inspire others to do the same. Absolutely. You know, when you it's think inspiring. of Indiana, when, I'm sorry, Athena. Oh, no worries. I, I was just going to say it's inspiring to see you uh, being uh, forward and front in, in in outreach positions like that. And and uh, thank you just for, for being on the show and sharing that with us. Uh, go ahead, Thank Karen. you for having me, for sure. I Life ever... has conditioned me to be who I am. You know, I wouldn't be here without my lived experience. I wouldn't be able to do the work that I do professionally in the prevention world or in the entertainment world without the things that I've been through. You know, we all have different spiritual and religious walks of life that we come through, but I think that there is truly a meaning and a purpose behind my story, who I am. And I'm happy to have this platform to say, hey, you're not alone. You know, there are people that look like you. It's achievable. Your dreams can be reality. And sometimes that's just what people need in our community is just a little bit of hope. You know, that that sense of feeling like a place that they belong, that there is a community that's there to support them, that believes in them, that looks like them, that has been through these situations that they've been in. That there's joy on the other side of of uh, adversity. Light at the end of the tunnel, right? Right. Which is a never-ending tunnel job. sometimes. Right. That's also where I get my Sorry, I grew up in Cincinnati, and so when I think of Indiana, you know, I didn't, I thought nothing of it as a kid, and you know, twenty years, twenty years went by, and I and I was there, and I had moved here, and I think it's because of, of, I think it's because of the people here that I was able to find myself and express who I am, and you know, that's that's all I ever wanted when I lived out there in that big city, it was, it was all disconnected small little cities everywhere nobody knew each other and i feel there was no sense of anything out there but out here in this state you know like you said having this community this community has been built i mean 45 years of the legacy that's i mean that's amazing so many people have come before you that have represented this great state and not this great state it's a great community it's not the state that's great it's the people that are in it uh mostly. absolutely Absolutely. Um, can you take us back to, you know, when you said your your story has meaning and has purpose, well, can you take us back to when you were younger and, you know, how you saw the world, what you felt, what was going on? Did you ever Absolutely. You one day? Absolutely. So I am a beautiful, knowledgeable trans woman of years old, and I have been doing drag for 17 years. That was how I found myself through drag being where we meet people where they're at when I was there in my day was not a happy place with light. Um, mental health, right? I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to seek therapy, not only for my mind, but for my body to become the woman who I am. And let's be real, body dysmorphia is real within the trans community. Like everything has a price tag on it. 
You know, how much is a new nose? How much is a jawline? How much is a, a, a lower hairline, a forehead, a, a new set? And oops, you got one. Now you need to get them bigger because they didn't fit, you know? So substance use disorder, mental health disorders, commercial sex work, which is a whole world of its own, you know? And then that goes hand in hand with sexually transmitted infections. You know, the stigma that comes with all of that and what people think that we are, because world, this world has conditioned us to be that way, at least growing up the way I did, I had to. I'm from Alabama, right? So I grew up a minority. Um, I am from the city of civil rights. I'm from Montgomery. So that's where Dr. Martin Luther King had his dream and Rosa Parks taught us all how important it is just to say the word no, right? So I had a lovely team, people that I met in my community that helped me kind of change some of my behaviors and get the help that I needed, right? So I found a gender affirming care doctor. I found a therapist to talk to me about my mind and how it works, how to become one with my mind and how to accept the things that society was telling me were wrong with me, right? And then until all these insurance and supplemental programs came out, like like I said, there was a cash price on the body, right? To live in a shelter that your soul feels comfortable, right? And that's on a spiritual level, you know? Um, I was born and raised in a Southern Methodist church. And if I would have gone in there between my transition, somebody would have grabbed me, pulled me to the back and told me like, hey, no, this is not okay. Now because I'm passable, right? I can go in there and until I open my mouth or I, I'm still dealing with my allergies, you know, my voice might crack a little bit. They, they don't know now, you know? And it's just like, well, hi, how are you? What do you do? So I can represent for more than just what I am and I can be who I am now. And that's, that's what I wanna give. You know, that's what I wanna tell people is like, hey, no matter where you're at in this journey, like it's not gonna be easy all the time. We're not all born into money. We're not all from a household that is welcoming and comforting to our gender dysphoria and the changes we want to make to be who we are. And we're not always in a society or how do you say it? You don't always find friends. And it's that, that's the biggest thing is like, we are not alone. Mm -hmm. I think I that the technological advances in all this social media, like what we're doing here today, letting people know like, hey, there are people like you that think like you, that look like you. You know, back then I didn't have that because I grew up in the Bible Belt. You know, it was hard. How do you find a doctor that doesn't want to be found by turfs, you know, like get shut down by people who are completely against them. Um, but through word of mouth and being visible, being who I was at the time, even though it wasn't who I was going to be, helped me become the person I am today. I know we went yada, yada, yada. But... That's a wonder. I love that. It, it it made me think about my own experience and how growing up, I never had, you know, the vocabulary. I had said things in the world, said something back. And I was like, well, I'm young. They're old. I, of course, they must know. And so I just was, you know, like trained in being a certain way. And I always thought it was so unattainable to to do the things. I'd, I'd seen trans people before, you know, portrayed in the media, oftentimes not in good light. But 
I would see them and I would, and then they'd show the before and after photos and I'd say, oh my God, that is like the coolest thing, the most amazing thing. Like I thought it was the most incredible. And then I thought to myself, you know, oh, I, I could never do that. Like I always thought that they were like special people. Like they had to go through so much to get through that. Like it took me up until a few years ago just to realize that like the experience that I had in my life um, happened to be that of a trans experience. And I was like, oh, so that's what it means to be trans. I'm trans. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is, it was really funny how it came to be, but I never had that. <laughs> I said it once to my friends uh, that I was just too poor to be trans. It's <laughs> like, that's not real. I was trans. Just, I, I didn't have enough money to do anything about it. Or at least that's what I thought, but it doesn't cost you anything to use your preferred name or pronouns. And that's what offends people about enabling us to, to use our name and pronouns is because there's no barrier or cost to that. Just the respect hey. for it. Yeah, I, I like the single like, time and the way you say something, you know, like just take that time and be patient. Um, Tori Cooper said the most amazing thing, like ask, listen, and then respond. And I'm going to add with respect. Respect costs nothing but a little more time, a little more education, you know, like just changing the way that you say things like a transsexual, like that is a transgender woman. Transsexual, I think, has kind of been struck from vocabularies. A lot of older girls still use it, you know, because it's it's associated with porn terminology, you know, like being a she-male, right? Like, that's yeah. not who we are, right? That is yeah. what the pornographic film industry has portrayed us to be, like dealing with someone who is a substance, someone living with substance use disorder. You know, that's not an addict. Recovery, right. you will always be in recovery once you have dealt with an addiction to a substance. You know, um, it's just taking that time to really educate yourself, respect someone and let them live their life that just because they don't live or look like you does not mean that they are any less valid than the person that they are in front of you. Okay. I, uh, if COVID taught us one thing is that we all got the same check for the same amount and we all spend it differently, you know? That's, that's how right. life works. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I work in a grocery store, so I, I feel like, I, you know, I often think about it, how how many people I interact with that, that may not even know that I'm trans. And, you know, I can't imagine, for those that do know, um, I just, perceptions and how, you know, how I portray myself, how I how I work with people. I actually have a customer that's going to bring me a t-shirt, uh, a sweatshirt from Myrtle Beach because she visited there. And she know that's where... I, I lived for a while, which is where the podcast started, by the way. So I think that's really cool. Just side note, by the way. Anyway. Uh, Aria, I thought you had what was What was that that you had, you had with something, Aria? Oh, no, continue. No, no. no. <laughs> um, but you kind of mentioned, like, your passability and your acceptability in churches. Like, you know, that's kind of where I, I feel like some of the hardest work to do is to outreach to people who have that sort of preconceived mindset of things as being categorized as, as sinful by themselves. Uh, and then the consequences, therefore, of the sin are what they see as, as disease or, or ill health effects from, you know, substance abuse and things like that. But being treated shouldn't, shouldn't really affect anyone's like spiritual journey or anything like that. You should be able to approach from anywhere, right? I tell people all the time that it's taken me a long time to come to terms with not only what I am, but who I am. Because I will still sit there and pray with my mother before dinner when we eat. However, 
I believe that your relationship with your higher power does not only belong in a building that you have to give money to, you know, mm -hmm. I think you're talking about passability for some people. It's just not in their cards, right? Mm -hmm. Who knows if I'll be able to stay up chat right in 20 years and how society will perceive me if I'll still be called ma'am in the daylight, you know, but the important thing is for people to respect other people and not stare. And while we as trans people expect and demand respect, we also have to give that too. You know, we have to understand that while trans is not new, it's new to certain people. And you have to kind of meet them where they're at, right? I can't say that enough. Meet them where they're at and just be patient. Because respect is a two-way street, right? Match energy. I do that all day long. Like, hey, you want to get mad? Okay, well, the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. If someone is being rude and hateful towards me, it's just easier for me not to care about it, not to give it the energy that they want to suck from me and walk the other way and know that I'm living my best life, right? But for some people, that's not an option because mental health is real. They have no one to talk to. Mm, absolutely. And and we typically only treat mental health as being something that if it's a crisis, then we have to talk about it, as opposed to just being a regular thing that people can go seek therapy for regular problems. Everyone in their life has experienced trauma. It just means a wound or, you know, some some kind of damage. If you've had pain, you've got trauma from it. And if you don't discuss it or if you conceal it or start concealing from yourself the pain that you're feeling, Everyone around you is going to have ill effects from it, yourself included, for sure. I definitely feel like it's really important to just have people listen because I personally have experienced, you know, recently I've, you know, had the opportunity to have, you know, more therapy, oftentimes two weeks if needed. And just having somebody to listen makes all the difference. And somebody that that's, you know, works with who you are as a person. So, like, I don't like being inside of, uh, like a dingy room with no windows so like we go on a walk you know and so my therapy is like i'm just walking like it's like just having somebody to connect with and i feel like our society is so disconnected like i social media i think it's great but also it's not you know sometimes it's not human not like in right. the same way that being with someone is. right but just having that opportunity to connect and just have somebody that listens that that understands and just tries to be there and not tries to give advice or tries to you know, make you try to realize something about yourself. Just it's there, just listening and being with you. I think that really does make such a difference. And and I'm glad that we have that here because we're all listening to each other and, and others will listen to this and they'll they'll feel, you know, I hope that, that people feel as much a part of, of this show as I feel a part of it. And and this is this is what we need more of. We need more. This show is is therapy and execution, as this is praxis. <laughs> yeah. Connecting communities and sharing stories. Mm -hmm. It is tagline. group therapy. Oh my yep. god, it is, isn't it? Yep. I love it. We have so many communities and sharing stories, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. Short that. stories are what make us human. I think they asked they said what makes you what makes humans like humans and different from the rest of the world? I'm like, is it could it be that we tell stories, you know? Could it be that? Could it be the imagination and, and how how our minds think in creative ways? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I got to stop saying anyway. I'm saying it too much. I'm going to edit all that out. <laughs> I, 
I used to be like oh, the anyway. Valley girl and like everything was like so like are you like like and then I got like so hot right like what is like like why is everything like I was like I'm sorry I'm nervous <laughs> like this is, I mean presenting as yourself and being fearful of people's reaction to you is oftentimes trauma in itself right and while others will look at it as self-induced trauma like why does it have to be like that? i'm just trying to be who i am and do my job in society so i can make money and live my life right but uh yeah i used to say like all the time and then my brother was like you're such a valley girl i was like no it's not <laughs> Oh, me, me and Lucy are are the real bona fide Valley girls here as, as Californians. Yeah, <laughs> Californians. I mean, my pumpkin the, spice the latte. Are from oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> parts of here Californian. Okay, I know. Yeah, I was very lucky um, to be a client for Dr. Harrison Lee. Um, I hate like how girls will flex that. Like, oh, I have a celebrity plastic surgeon. Um, we haven't talked about this. I don't think I put anything in my bio about it either. Um, I said I'm an advocate for many things. Silicone, illegal black market silicone, right? Like as a trans person, we will go to any means to be who we are. And that money, that price tag is definitely on there, right? So I had my black market silicone for about six years. And I mean, I'm dealing with my allergies now, right? Every time a season changes, it happens. Um, I was in nursing school and I was like, oh, I know what I need. I took a medication that made my body attack what wasn't my body, right? Because that's how your system, your immune system works to eliminate disease. And um, yeah, I had a reaction to my silicone. So I was researching like, who are the doctors that can help me with this? Like who takes insurance? At that time, while I was in nursing school, I was a store manager for a Starbucks. And that's when they had their... Um, what was it, the the policy, supplemental policy, right? Where Starbucks was turning the boys to the dolls, honey, you know, you yeah. go in there and look like a boy and really be who you are. Um, so I was lucky enough, I spent my life savings on top of the Starbucks supplemental policy. Dr. Lee had worked with silicone removal before and he not only saved my life, but he gave me a new one. And I am forever grateful to that man. That man took a day off before and a day off after. I was on a surgical table for 23 hours. Um, and for people who are dealing with that, you have inflammation in your silicone. Everybody's story and body's reaction is different. I had to take an allergy medication. So I was on Allegra and then Montecluse or Singular at night to reset my body. And that made the allergic response stop. However, as soon as I stopped taking that medication, boom, everything was swollen and red and hot again. Um, when I was first dealing with it, nobody knew what to do, you know? And I remember seeing bad plastic surgery as my reason for my ER visit. I was in the ER every day for three days, getting steroids, antibiotics, and fluids. They didn't know what to do, and they sent me home. And then three days later, would be fine. And then I would wake up in the morning, and boom, I was swollen again. I had cheek filler, right? I had my lips done um, with illegal silicone and my face would just swell up to where it was hard to open my mouth. It was hard to swallow because I had my chin and my jaw done. And, you know, I am definitely an advocate for doing it the right way. 
you can't afford it, maybe you don't need it. But at the same time, there's always help somewhere. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing about being visible, being seen. I didn't talk about that as part of my story yet. So I'm glad that kind of came out. But um, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. That is, that yeah. Is, yeah. So, Autumn, what is it? Um, how does it feel to to be where you are right now? Honestly, it's almost unbelievable because I'm a normal person in my mind. I'm not better than anyone. I feel like everyone deals with their own struggles, but for me to be a plain Jane and to have the opportunities that I have are literally unbelievable. Um, it's an honor to be Miss Faye Indiana. It's also an honor to serve on this amazing team of team members that feel like family at Positive Resource Connection. Um, I am by no means perfect, you know? And I think that people need to see that. It's okay to not have to be perfect. Um, drag has always been a passion for me. Um, my partner's mother asked him and he told me, we had a conversation, he was like, so my mom asked me when you're gonna stop playing dress up. And I was like, it's not dress up. It is not dress up. It is a way for me to show my craft, to inspire other people, and to let people know that they are not alone. I wanted to make a, a mark, like a legacy. Um, when the first person, Courtney Anderson, had me, she was like, that's very MGI, you should compete. Like, I was just wearing like one of my favorite costumes and I was like, oh, really? Um, so I wanted to leave kind of a mark before I left and went on to my next ventures in life. So to be able to be like, oh my gosh, I did it is really unbelievable. I think, I don't think I believed it for the first two weeks. Like it's just kind of set in. Like I remember the first time we went to Greg's and Indy for the after party. Um, and so I was like, well, hello, who are you? I looked at my friend and I looked at them. I was like, I'm Miss Gay Indiana, Sharice Moore. <laughs> you know, it was like, it, it's still unbelievable. It's an honor. Um, but me not being a perfect person, right? Like, I'm just so scared I'm going to do something to mess it all up, you know? I'm not a scandalous person, but um, there's definitely that pressure, you know? You're seen as a symbol of excellence, and I can be excellent, but I'm not perfect. I definitely have my time to shine, and I think that is definitely part of my story. It's like, hey, I'm not the richest person. I have a good heart. I mean well, but we all make mistakes, and that's what makes us human, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But what is oh, what um... are? Go ahead. Go ahead, Caroline. Okay, me. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Autumn, you you mentioned uh, your your new adventures. What what else is in store for you? Uh, I want the American Dream. One day. Um, two point five children, uh, husband, picket fence. I was raised by two women, you know, um, before this whole same sex couples and parenting came along. Like I was raised by two women. I was raised by my mother and my grandmother. I'm my mom's only child. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, yeah. So my dad, um, I'm his fourth child. Um, my mom kind of went to a doctor's appointment at the age of 36 and the doctor told her, Hey, it's now or never like, so she quit taking her birth control and dad didn't know and he tried, but it just, he was 
or didn't want to deal with the whole baby thing again. He had just done that. Like my my youngest sibling before me is 13 years older than me. And fun fact, we're all gay. <laughs> so I'm the, the little mister who's the little sister now. I have two queer brothers and my oldest sister is a lesbian. There's mm-hmm. one brother that um, will continue the legacy and has two children and is heteronormative, cisgender, but... Uh, yeah, I love that. That's why when I say like I'm lucky to have had the support system in the family that I had, like not everybody gets that. You know, I, I, I acknowledge it. So uh, to my knowledge, I am the youngest lackey in my family, and I like to joke that the <laughs> this lineage dies with me and <laughs> makes me feel powerful. But, I yeah, think that being a mother is an extreme honor. It would mean more to me than any crown, any title, to be able to say, hey, I can pass all that I've learned, all that I've earned to someone and put a person full of love, peace, and understanding into the world that will provide a safe space and a good relationship for the other people in their community. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like being a Hoosier, there's some things that, you know, they can't teach in school anymore. It kind of saddens me, you know, to know that the trans youth will not learn about Marsha P. Johnson throwing that brick in 69, you know, that that's not going to be taught in school anymore, you know? So to be able to say, hey, I'm going to teach my kids. I'm going to tell my kid everything that there is to know about STIs, HIV, and some real life lessons that they can't learn in public funding schooling anymore. And I joke about Cinderella being my favorite story because she's so delicate. She could walk on glass and she married wealthy. But, you know, we're not all set up like that. And private schools, they have their own curriculum. I don't know how the law really affects them. That's something that I look forward to learning more about. Um, And that's one thing that being Miss Fannie has given me the opportunity to is to really press pressure myself politically. my next chapter, Lord, I hope my husband doesn't see this. Um, I want to do a national pageant. You know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Miss Continental pageantry system, the All-American Goddess pageantry system. You know, there is something in me that is competitive, that loves fashion. Um, I think every queer person has a love for fashion, and that's kind of why we pick our place on the gender binary, right? Because it's not always available in stores. It's queer culture, you know, we're all about fashion and and being seen a lot of times. Um, so there's that. And then eventually I want to retire, be a mother, have a house, have a husband that I can have conversations with about everything and be goofy and be not perfect and not have to wear makeup and a push-up bra, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, there's a lot about the future that I don't know either, you know? And just like the trans community, there's a fear in that. You know, people fear what they don't know. Um, But you just kind of have to embrace that and realize that it's okay to not know everything. The uncertainty of having kids is is pretty, like, impactful, especially, like, you know, we, we think that maybe there's not so long for the earth. But, like, that's always been the case until we work on it, until we actually wait up and recognize with each other and informing your kids that they can be a part of the solution is is really great and i forget who it was that said it but um 
I remember hearing that if you plan everything about your life, you'll never live. So I think it's important mm -hmm. just to take risks, make changes and be who you are unapologetically, however respectfully, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, you, uh, Autumn, you you touched on it a little bit, um, talking about how uh, your position as Miss Gay Indiana doesn't feel real sometimes. Um, how, what what would you say to um, uh, somebody listening to us that maybe wants to get into that um, drag scene or the pageant pageantry scene that maybe has struggles with that kind of like imposter syndrome feeling? So imposter syndrome, meaning that you think that the room hates you even though they don't kind of thing. Like, um, right, yeah, exactly. That's a stigma in itself, too. First of all, see a therapist. Find somebody that you can talk to anybody, talk to about anything that will give you an outside view and be non-judgmental. Um, second of all, come see it. Come see Miss Gay Indiana. Come see my step down. Come see the categories. Come see what it speaks to you. Because like I said, you know, there, there is a look that they want. Um, however, art is subjective. Everyone's drag is different. It's more than just, oh, I have to have this drag that looks like this. I have to look like a drag race girl. Honey, I don't look like a drag race girl. I wish I looked like Sasha Colby. It could whip that ponytail, but that's that's just not me, you know? Um, <laughs> I am Southern, so that Southern pageantry drag. Um, I represented my hounds tubes for Alabama in sportswear. Um, sportswear is not a category, but yeah, come come experience it. You know, ask questions, reach out. My hair, I ran my hands through my hair and ruined it. Okay, we're just gonna go with it. But um, just like anything else in life, ask questions, listen, and respond with respect. You know, everything is interpretive when it comes to art, when it comes to drag. And then if you've never done a show before, check out an open stage show. You know, go see what that looks like. There's cash prizes, there's opportunities to meet the girls. Like one thing I do love about drag is that it's definitely a sisterhood, right? Like you meet these people, you fight with them sometimes, but you also share precious moments. And these, these relationships last a lifetime. You know, I still talk to one of my my best friends down in, uh, I can't just pick one. There's one in Florida. There's one in, in Georgia. There's uh, many in Alabama. I have a good friend in Dallas that gave me my start in Dallas doing drag there that I went to junior high and high school with, and we were in musical theater together. Um, do your research, ask questions, and go support local drag because we are not drag race queens. And I believe thoroughly that there is more talent on a local show than there will ever be on TV because they can edit everything and you don't see everything. And um, a four minute number can change your life. I would not be the person I am in the daylight if I had never gone and mm -hmm. seen a drag show. Mm -hmm. You know, it definitely inspired me to play in wigs, play in hair. I mean, have you guys have all worn a wig before? I think we, as a trans woman, it's just a rite oh, of passage yeah, of seeing course. yourself for the first mm -hmm. time, go from a buzz cut to long wavy locks, and you're just like, <gasps> it's like it's like a rite of passage. Hard, yeah. First time you throw on a wig, and it's like, oh no, I'm feeling things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I that is the I remember... perfect fucking way to like put it. Like, oh no. <laughs> Well, it this was. is a problem. <laughs> it's it's, it's I'm gonna great have that to you said deal that. With this. 
you know, Autumn, you know, it was it was the people that you've worked with that inspired that. They opened the door for me. A few people in, in the community, they just, they saw me for who I was and they tolerated me, as I said. And because uh, I was I was a lot worse back then. Mm -hmm. um, and I, they just, they just saw me and I was given the chance. I don't know if you know who Octavia Leo is. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. Oh my God. That would be considered like my drag mom because she painted me for the very first time. She was like, come over, I'm going to paint you. And I'm like, okay, oh my God. And then I found the name and it was so incredible. And I, it was, but I, but then I got painted again by somebody that I feel like you actually quoted almost in this conversation. You said, don't be, a, don't talk about it, be about it. And I had heard that so many times before from one of the performers, Dixie Licious. And they painted me a second time. And that second time, I bought a long, beautiful blonde wig. And that that changed. Like, I saw everything I wanted to. I, I saw the actualization of who I wanted to be. And it was the most incredible feeling. And it was all because I walked into a drag show. And I had done something I'd never done before. I took a risk. Absolutely. I didn't plan. I It was on a whim. I made a decision. I was working and I said, you know what? I'm going to go to that gay bar tonight. I heard about it Saturday night and I did it and it, I wouldn't be here tonight today if it wasn't, if it wasn't for that. And if it wasn't for, you know, the Indiana drag scene, the Indiana queer community and just, it's so great to have had you here. You know, Thank every you so pageant, they always ask, what is something that you would say to a newcomer, someone who wants to start doing drag? And you have a small line that you have to answer on. And I always say, just have fun, be yourself, be a good sister and clean up after yourself, right? Respect the space because without that space, we, we can't be who we are. We can't do what we have to do. Um, saying that on top of that, go see a professional makeup artist. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, if you are too scared or underage to go to a club, right? Go sit down in a Mac chair. Let somebody show you things about your face that maybe you don't see in that angle. You know, like I wouldn't know how to do makeup if someone hadn't shown me, right? Like not all of our moms are gonna sit there and let their little boy watch them do makeup, you know? So yeah, just, just be adventurous, be brave. And sometimes that's easier said than done. Right, but be respectful and have fun. Just be who you are. Unapologi unapologetically, right? Everyone, we've got an exciting new segment on the show called Letters from the Community. In this segment, we'll feature heartfelt letters written by members of the trans community. These letters are intended to be a source of hope inspiration and joy if you're a part of the community we invite you to submit your letter to us just include your name location and a brief description of who you are i cannot wait to share your powerful message with all of our listeners together we can continue uplifting and celebrating the trans community and now with that being said i'd like to take an opportunity now and read our first submitted letter by Masumi Akira Oliver. Masumi writes, I'm Masumi Akira, and I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm intersex in transition. 
My message is don't be afraid to be who you are. Yes, you may lose some people in your life, but you'll gain so much more by being happy and free. Never give up and live your life to the fullest. Trust in yourself and you'll gain a lot of new support in your journey. Our next letter comes to us from Bryn Lee. Bryn writes, I'm Bryn and I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm a nerdy trans woman who absolutely loves podcasts. I am subscribed over 200 of them. Yes, I do have a little bit of an addiction, but at least it's not as bad as Caroline's Taylor Swift obsession. Oh my God. Okay, please. Anyway, I've not been listening for very long, but from what I've heard, has been an amazing breath of fresh air. I mean, especially enjoyed your episode with Jesse Gender, especially all that Star Trek stuff. I also quite enjoyed your enlightening conversation with Ash Zerman about cis passing and voice training. I discovered the Trans Narrative Podcast from my friend Tiffany Taylor, who was recently on your show. We both belong to an organization called Blind LGBTQI Pride International. We are an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. BPI provides a safe space for people who are part of the queer community who are blind or visually impaired. We have a mailing list, a WhatsApp group, and a podcast called Pride Connection. I just wanted to use this opportunity to promote our organization to our listeners. As some of them may have visual impairments, they may not have known that something like this exists. Our website is at bpi.gay. bpi.gay. And you can find their pod- our podcast by searching for Pride Connection wherever you find your favorite podcast. I hope to end up next to the Trans Narrative Podcast and someone's podcatcher. Keep up the great work, neighbors. I hope to be on a future episode of your show to talk about BPI and my own journey as a blind trans woman. Live long and prosper. Bryn. This has been Letters from the Community. I want to say thank you for those that have submitted their letters this week, and I look forward to reading some more next week. It is a beautiful beautiful opportunity to read directly from our community and to share that with all of you. So thank you for being here and thank you for listening and being on this journey with us. It means absolutely the world. Now with that, we'll uh, wrap up. What a banger. Knockout. Grand slam out of the park. It's great. Oh my God, this is fantastic. It's been so long since I podcasted. Ah, it feels so good. I (laughs) had to work so much, but now I I arranged my schedule where I'll have every Saturday available now, Athena. Woo! So just now. Thank goodness. Finally, finally Kiki every week again. I love what you guys are doing. It really is an honor to be here and talk to all of you guys today. It Thank means so you, much Kiki. that you're here because I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for the community that, that you're a part of, that you represent now. And it's just, I, I, I moved here like eight years ago. And I was so lost. I didn't know who I was. And, it, and being in the small town with nothing to do, absolutely not a thing to do. All I had time to do was find myself. And so that's what I did. I spent hours just with myself. And then finally, after so many years of solitude, I, I went out and I, I met I met these people, you know, these people that you work with. And they changed my life. And my life is so much better now in such a great place. And I just think back to that time that first moment I went into those doors. I just can't imagine. I couldn't have imagined, you know, to be in this position now, to, to have a podcast, to have people across the country that I'm great friends with that I've never met, but I've, I've become so close to. 
it's lifelong friendships that just they mean so much it's so cool and i'm just so happy that you're here so thank you for being here i know right you guys have to all like add me shoot me your ads i can't thank wait you. to see yeah, that's and you're, and you're more than welcome to come on any other time if you'd like let me know i'm all ears i love a good conversation i mean I said that I wanted to be a voice for people that look like me in my interview when they interviewed me for Miss Indiana. And I think that part of being a voice is listening to other voices that sound like yours, you know? So Absolutely. I would love to do anything and everything I can to help you. Hey everyone, if you like this episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and follow. This podcast is available on Apple, Audible, Amazon, Spotify, Google, or YouTube. Today's episode was recorded on September 23rd, 2023. Today's episode was co-hosted by Nina Primakis, Ariel Aki, Caroline Finney, and Lucy Balzano. Our guest today was Sharice Alexandria Samor. Trans Narrative Podcast was created by Caroline Finney and co-produced by Athena Primakis. This episode was edited, directed, and produced by Caroline Finney. The music you hear now and the music that you have heard has been created by Athena Primakis. This episode was brought to you by Spotify for Podcasts. You can find us at transnarrativepodcast.com. If you'd like to reach out, learn more, be a guest, or are looking to get involved in the show, email us at transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for the trans community that provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within their own community. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of gender diverse people and celebrate our community.